They gave me less room so I can't face back and forth so much. Yes. But I'm back. They haven't kicked me out yet, so you get to listen to me teach again. Yes. Yay, David. All right. Okay, so for the last few weeks, we've been going through the book of Matthew, specifically the commands of Jesus that give a sort of directional a directional command, where he says, go, uh, come, and we're going to be going through more of those for the next few weeks. But this kind of put in my mind the idea of, the series is called Road Signs, it put, put in my mind the idea of a GPS, and how we as humans receive directions. And I was thinking about how uh, Quite a while ago, my sister-in-law visited me and my wife for a week or two, and she has this habit of whenever anyone says, oh, here, you know, you should do this or do that, just generally in conversation, generally as a joke, she'll say, don't tell me how to live my life. Just like really passionately, um, usually as a joke. But she doesn't like being, feeling like she's being told what to do. Not many of us do, I don't. But what that eventually has become, it's kind of become a parody of itself. So whenever we were in the car, or she, uh, when we visited, if she's driving and she's in the car, and the GPS says, turn right here, she says, don't tell me how to live my life, to the GPS. So that's one attitude. We have this idea that being told what to do is an affront against us, and so if we get the slightest whip of Someone saying, hey, you should do this. Just say, don't tell me how to live my life. On the other side of that, you can get yourself into a situation that happened a couple weeks ago. You may have seen on the news where, I think it was, maybe it was between 50 and 100 people got into a lot of trouble following GPS because there was some traffic on the highway toward the airport and... Google Maps said, here's a detour, take the detour. So the first person took the detour, and the next person took the detour, and the next person took the detour, and they started following each other because they thought, well, I don't know how to get through here, so I'll just follow the person in front of me. They ended up in the middle of a field in a mud pit because Google Maps just malfunctioned. And, and the, if you read the interviews, the people were saying, well, the person, it was taking us down a dirt road, but the person ahead of me and the 50 people ahead of me walked on, so I figured it must be fine. Right? So that's the other end of the spectrum. On one hand, you have any whiff of command, and they say, don't tell me how to live my life. And on the other side, you see, oh, they probably know what they're doing, and you know, Google Maps said, go this way, so I'm going to go this way. And you end up in a mud pit. Hence the map fits and mud pits. So we all need direction. We don't know everything. We don't know what's coming up next. We don't know what the next turn is. We don't know three turns ahead. We don't know really what our destination is, uh, I guess, in, the, in, the, in our lives. And the, every, we don't know every turn of the journey. And so we do need some direction. And so we can't have the attitude of, don't tell me how to live my life. Because if we just follow ourselves, we're not going to get anywhere. But on the other hand, we can't just blindly follow any direction we receive. The Bible actually speaks quite a bit about how we're supposed to be very careful about the directions that we are listening to, who they're coming from. Spoiler, if it's coming from Jesus, just do it. 
Um, and if it's coming from anyone else, make sure it agrees with Jesus. Otherwise, don't do it. I could probably just walk off the stage now, but I have to fill some time, so okay. Okay. So we're going to go through a passage in Matthew 6, and I'm going to give a little bit of context. Jesus is preaching a sermon on a mountain near the uh, Sea of Galilee. I think we were talking about that. It was near the Sea of Galilee, near the town of Capernaum. And he was preaching probably to a mixed crowd, but he was giving largely examples from the current attitudes toward the law, where God said, do this, and saying, well, here's what the heart of that was. It's not just an action, it's an intent. So watch your heart while you're doing it. And it's not just, oh, I didn't do this action. It's also making sure that your heart is in the right place. I just said the same thing twice. So that's the context. We're going to uh, read the passage through, and then I'm going to do some highlights. So Jesus says, in, uh, sorry, the, the deeper context here, he starts talking about how we can approach God in prayer. So he says, when you pray, you are not to be like this. For they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners so that they may be seen by men. Truly, I say to you, they have their reward in full. But you, when you pray, go into your inner room, close your door, and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who is in secret, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you are praying, do not use meaningless repetition as the Gentiles do. For they suppose that they will be heard for their many words. So do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Let's focus on the first thing. First three words. When you pray. Very simply. Prayer is not an if. As far as Jesus is concerned, prayer is a when for us as believers. We go to God, who is the source of our life, who is the source of our strength and the source of our hope. And everything that He pours into us flows out through us, and we cannot do that if we are not in a relationship with Him. So He says, when you pray. He says, don't be like the hypocrites. For they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners so that they may be seen by men. Jesus is very clear the problem here is intent. He's not saying you cannot ever pray in public. What he's saying is that your heart should be toward God. And your heart cannot be, how are other people seeing me pray? Like these people were praying intentionally to be seen by men. Instead of being focused on God, they were focused on others. And at that point, they may as well have been praying to themselves. Or they may as well have been praying to somebody else on the street saying, Validate me! Validate me! I'm so impressive, please notice me! They're not praying at all. <laughs> but see, even if we're not trying to impress others when we pray, Concern for what they think can sneak in in other ways. For example, we're in a prayer meeting. Oh shoot, if I don't pray, they're going to think I'm not spiritual. They're going to think I don't have a good relationship with God if I don't pray out loud in this prayer group. 
That's absolutely gone through my head many times. And most of the time when that happens, I feel God saying to me, guess what? You're not going to do. You're not going to pray out loud this entire meeting. You're just going to listen. Or, the other person, they pray better than me. I'm not a very good prayer. I'm not a prayer warrior. They are. I'm not. I don't, I, don't, I don't really pray because I'm not very good at it. Those aren't, the, those aren't really prideful in the sense like I want to impress others, but they do focus more on ourselves. They focus more on others and what others think than they do about just having a relationship with it and talking with God, which is what prayer is about. So just focus on God. And kind of a side note, going to the very first part of that focus, they love to stand and pray, he says. They don't just do it. They love to do it. As believers, we ought to love to connect with God. We ought to love to pray. Pray with each other. And pray to God, even on our own. Especially on our own. But they, and we, if we're not careful, can love to stand and pray for others. They're not just doing it. They love to do it. And that's a very, very dangerous place to be. With such a misplaced love and prayer, just like them, we may as well be we may as well be praying to ourselves if we're not focused on God. So the next thing Jesus says, um, truly I say to you, they have their reward in full. And he's being a little sarcastic here. They got kind of what they want, but what he's saying is, that's not what they need. Really, that's not going to satisfy them. They got it. Sure. They got a big reward. But that's not going to be worth anything. The reward that we are after is a relationship with God, and in the end, for God to say, hey, I know you. I talk to, you talk to me, and I talk to you all the time. That's way better than other people saying, I validate you. You are such a good prayer. So that brings us to the command where we're at a road sign. Sorry, let me rephrase that. That brings us to the road sign where Jesus says, here's what you do. Go, do this. But you and me, this is Jesus talking. I'm not preaching here. Jesus says, when you pray, go into your inner room, close your door, pray to your Father who is in secret. Now again, he's not saying you can only ever pray alone. This is about the heart. We should often pray alone. Go into your inner room, he says. Why? When we're alone with God, we can be completely sincere. That's not easy. A lot of times, I still have a hard time when I'm alone with God being completely sincere. Not that he doesn't know everything, but it's hard for me to open up. It's hard for me to say, God, here's really how I feel. I, I still feel compelled to kind of put on a front, which is ridiculous, but there you have it. But when we are alone with God, at least we don't have other people to worry about. We don't have a temptation to impress. We don't have a temptation to put ourselves down and look at other people and how they pray. There's no temptation for that. 
Jesus is addressing the intent, and he's after the heart. He's not forbidding public prayer. He's just saying, when you pray, focus on your Father. Watch your attitude. A little bit more about an attitude in prayer. He says, when you are praying, do not use meaningless repetition as the Gentiles do, for they suppose that they will be heard for their many words. Now he's drawing a comparison between the people he's talking to who are probably mostly Jews, and he's saying the Gentiles, in this case everyone who's not a Jew, in the broad term of the word, but I think he's referring more to just at that time anybody who doesn't believe in God, anyone who believes in other gods, or what have you. He says, they have these mantras and these sayings and these phrases that they repeat over and over and over and over and over. We're probably not in that position here, but we can run into the trouble where we feel we have to fill time praying. I have to pray more. I have to say more. Or, like me, you're sitting in a, a prayer group and you feel like you have to say something. Because if you don't, you're not a very good prayer. Uh, Matthew